we had on a Sunday night uh, prayer message that really resonated with us, and maybe some of you remember it, about uh, when you pray, uh, enter your closet, Matthew 6, verse 6. Without when you pray, enter into your closet. When you have, when you, and thou, and when thou hast shut the door. And there were two parts to that message. One, the closet, and then shutting the door. And this morning, we want to continue on the, the theme of prayer. And, um. And, and teach about what that means, that you actually come into the place of God and receive from God. God carries you. God serves you. <clears throat> I want to um, just introduce a, uh, a thought from this morning, Isaiah 46 that goes along with this, Isaiah 46, verse 1. On the screen, it's this picture here. Bell bows down, Nebo stoopeth. What what do you think those words, bell, what, what does that word mean? Do you know? I want to turn to your neighbor and tell them. What does bell mean? Enabo. Bell Enabo, what do you think? Bell Shazar, remember that name? Bell Shazar. Bell wasn't, uh, uh, wasn't Bell, Bell Shazar, was that Daniel's name given to him? It's the name of a god. A pagan god, Bel and Nabo, are gods, pagan gods. Their idols were upon the beasts and upon the cattle. Your carriages were heavy loaden. They are a burden to the weary beasts. Uh, so the, the pagan gods were transported, and this was a burden to carry them because they weighed so much. But can't those gods walk? No. Can they move their arms or talk? No. Verse 2. They stoop. They bow down together. They could not deliver the burden, but themselves are gone into captivity. Uh, There are gods in this world that do not help you. There are gods in this world that burden you. There are gods in this world that are that are tough to handle. They are a burden and wearisome to us. They really are demanding of us. They're, uh, they're, they, they want us to bow down and stoop and struggle. Verse 3. Hearken unto me, O house of Jacob. This is God speaking. Hearken unto me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel, which are born by me from the belly. They 
Israel has been born from God. God brought them down. This is figurative speech. But he brought them down to Egypt. Seventy people went to Egypt. Seventy. And out came two and a half million four hundred years later. They multiplied. And then when he brought them out of Egypt through the Red Sea, how'd they get out of Egypt? How did they get out? God did it. God carried them. God did it. So we have here up on our screen a picture of people worshiping gods and carrying them, carrying the gods. But there's another, another way that, that we have found, and that is that the true and living God carries us. He's the one that serves you. He carries you. But you might say, but I, I, I'm not in a bondage like this. Yeah, but actually, uh, the, G, Jesus said that, it, that if you sin, you are a slave to sin. But I came to set you free. If you continue in my word, then you are free indeed. I will carry you. It says here, look at verse um, verse. Uh, Three, which are carried from the womb, and even to your old age, I am he, verse 4, and even to whore hairs, that means um, gray hair, will I carry you. I will carry you through your whole life, from the beginning of your life to the end of your life. I will carry you, verse uh, 4. I have made, and I will bear, even I will carry and deliver you. Verse 5, to whom will you liken me and make me equal and compare me that we may be like? How do you compare me to this picture up here? How do you compare? Am I like that? That you have to carry me? We had one African pastor share the story uh, before he was saved, he was an idol worshiper, and he had a bag of idols. And he was invited to go from Burkina Faso to Ivory Coast and teach about worshiping the idols. So he brought the bag on the train. They traveled to He traveled to Ivory Coast. He did the little seminar, and then he left, and he forgot the bag. He got on the train and he went back home and he realized I forgot the idols. And he goes, those dumb idols can't even catch the train on their own. I have to go back and get them. I got to go get the idols because they can't do it. And I got to do this and I got to do that and I got to do this. But think about Jesus Christ who came into the world and he said basically, well, literally, essentially, Mark ten, forty-five. I came not into the world to be served. I didn't come into the world so that you would serve me. I came into the world to serve you. I came to carry you. I will carry you when you fail. I will carry you when you're a disappointment to yourself. 
I'll carry you when you don't show up. I'll carry you when you're crippled and troubled and hurt psychologically, spiritually, even physically. I will heal you and you will walk again. Take up your bed and walk. Who is our God but the God that cares for us, ministers to us, carries us, forgives us, gives us grace, teaches us, and humbles us? Isn't that good? Okay. Amazing. Amen. Lord, you said your house would be a house of prayer for all nations. We are here in your name. We are so honored that you carry us, you serve us, you love us, you fill us with your spirit and teach us. Lead us and answer our prayers. We praise you, Lord. For our sisters and brothers in the world ministering, or men men and women, we do not know their names, but they are indwelt by your spirit and they are glorifying you. We are part of the body and we are thankful And we care, Lord. We care about this world that you came into the world to save, minister, help, heal, teach us, lead us. Yes, Lord. Thank you for your grace every day. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for our friends. Thank you for our Families, thank you for this family. Thank you for our purpose. Thank you for our open Bible that you would speak to us from our Bible. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, would you uh, stand for a moment and then turn around and greet your neighbor? Say good morning. God bless you. Build them up for your... Okay, you may be seated. Two parts to the message. First one is, what is prayer? The second one is, why I don't receive answers to prayers. Three parts to that. So let's start by turning to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 5. When you pray, you shall not be as the hypocrites. For they, have, they love to pray standing in the synagogues. What is it about prayer in public? 
there's public prayer, and some people are motivated to pray because of the the value of a public display or exhibition. I think we all have that tendency when we pray publicly. Did I say it the right way? Did I pray with the kind of intensity or sincerity? Did I say the right words? Because we are in public, and that means something to us. But when it means too much, then we're more conscious of the people than of God. Right? Like, how do you receive what I say? Or when I pray, did you notice that I am, I am, you know, uh, projecting a image? I want you to see that I am a believer, or I want you to see that I am serious about it, or I want you to see. So people hijack or the whole idea in my mind is hijacked into thinking that prayer is something like that. But Jesus corrects it. Look at verse 5. It says, For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. There actually is a reward when you are seen of men. You know, they talk about you, maybe, or they recognize you, or they respect you, or there is reward. So you have the reward. That's what you got. But Jesus is saying that prayer is something else. Prayer is not that. Prayer is something else. Verse 6. But you, when you pray, enter into your closet... And when you and 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 when thou hast shut the door, pray to the Father which is in secret, and your Father, which sees in secret, shall reward thee openly. So, what is prayer? Here is a picture, very simple. God is a trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and they have fellowship. This is the key. It's the fellowship. It's the relationship. It's the nature of those three. Those three are not jealous. They're not at war with each other. They're they're not... uh, They are not exhibitionists. They are all servants. They are all pure. They are all holy, infinitely so. Like it's incredible to think about the nature of God and who he is. And when we come and we are invited in, we are actually in there already. There's not a process In the mind of God, it's already done. You are accepted in the beloved. You have the lover in the Trinity. You have the the father who loves the son. Another way of saying it is the lover has the beloved. The father 
loves the Son. And the Spirit is that environment, that person that is between the two. That, that third person is actually dwelling in you. That when you and I are born again and the Spirit is given to us, we are automatically in fellowship with the Father and the Son. We've been accepted in the, in the Trinity. We are in fellowship with the Father and the Son. So even though it is secret, meaning people are not seeing it, uh, it is dynamic. It is gentle. It is present. You are not alone. It's it's not obvious to others. You you have the other direction, which is my public prayer. And by the way, public prayer is not a bad thing. It's just when when it's in the context of self consciousness and my ego and my self life, then that's not right. As we'll see a little later. Like public prayer is part of our of our fellowship. We pray publicly in the body. But 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 the secret place or the closet is what Jesus is teaching here. And that we actually have an inner chamber, a place where we have the Holy Spirit. Let's write down Holy Spirit, and the the love, the fruit of the Spirit is love, agape love, God's love. In that love, you are accepted. In that love, you are satisfied. In that love, you are comforted. In that love, you have God's heart and mind. Sometimes I look for that in my own life, too. I have it in my heart. My heart, you know, like what's in my heart. Like I, we have a new heart, but I would like to have my heart moved in, in life. I want my heart to be awake. I want my heart to be moved with compassion. Or I want my heart to be sensitive to other people. I'd like my heart to be alive unto God. I want to be spirit-filled, we would say, right? That's, that's what we say, to be spirit-filled, as we read in Ephesians 5. Uh, we would like a heart after God, like David, like God. God had David who had a heart. He had a heart after God in 1 Kings 15. Um. We have, a, we have a heart for our Bible, to understand our Bible, like to, to find something in the Bible that speaks to my heart. I want to read my Bible and my heart be alive, like Song of Solomon. I sleep, but my heart awakes. It's the voice of my beloved. So that, that's what happens to you and I when we have prayer. There's a lot of different elements to it, but prayer is basically your fellowship with God in the Holy Spirit. 
that the Holy Spirit moves in you and leads you in prayer, in fellowship, in love. It's not simply like asking for things. That's what sometimes we think prayer is asking for. This is different. This is a relationship, and and one word that is pretty strong, strong in the Bible is waiting on God. We wait on him. Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. Uh, so we have the, the, the secret place. Yeah, and I like that part where it says shut the door. Like shut the door. That's a big one. Like shut the door. That means there's got to be a, some, something on the outside is not on the inside. There's something excluded that, that I'm excluding. Maybe we could say the noise that is in the world. Maybe the struggles that are in the world. Maybe the fightings. Uh, maybe the fears. Maybe the ideas, the psychology of man and the intellectual, uh, intellectualism of the human race. Their, their philosophies and religions and ideas that men live in easily. They easily live in the world. But when, when you pray, and it's like Jesus, Jesus came into the world, but he was often disappearing to go to pray and be with his father. Luke six twelve all night, sometimes early morning. And he would pray. Gethsemane, it was a place where they often went for prayer. So Jesus was, Luke 11, often in prayer, when he finished praying in Luke 11, and when he finished, it says the disciples asked him, "Teach us to teach us to pray, like John uh, the Baptist did his disciples. Teach us to pray." I think John the Baptist's prayer was different from the hypocrisy of the day. And the religion of the day, and I think, and we know Jesus' prayer was also not like, like a dem, an exhibition. It was a, a connection with the, with the Father. Okay, so, um, let's speak about this, um, in, in very practically now, um, here is the the believer, and and he has his approach to God. I'll just draw it this way: he's in fellowship with God, and he has the Holy Spirit, and then he has his flesh. The believer's flesh. Okay, turn with me to James chapter four, and read with me about that. Chapter 4 and verse 1. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Um, I can't help but think of family. Family has a fight. 
there's a fight in the family. I, I think of um, uh, a war uh, that happens in um, at a working place, you know, at your job, or a war or a fight that happens in the church, or uh, in the teacher's room at a school, the lounge area and the school area, and and there's a fight of some kind going on. Where is it coming from? Where does the, the wars and the fightings that are from within, look at verse 1, come they not hence even of your lusts that war in your members? Is the war coming from me? Is the war coming from Yes, my flesh does that. Yes, my flesh does that. Really? Okay. What do you mean? Well, my flesh is essentially, it's my, the word flesh is referring to our fallen nature. So really it's our selfishness. And there's many ways that's expressed. One of them is I'm right. I'm right. I'm, I, a religious word is self-righteous. I'm right. I know I'm right. I got the Bible verses for it and everything. I'm right. You know. and, and, and you bother me. You, you bother me because you don't live with God. You don't walk with God. Okay? So that's what we, as religious people, this is what happens. We, we have fights that happen because... We lack love, and we, we get entrenched in our self-righteousness. And then Jesus would say, have you been in prayer? Have you been to the secret place? Have you dropped your, your flesh at the door? Okay. Now, this is a great exercise for us, that we would actually say to God, um, I think I might be in the flesh. And the troubles I have out there, it might be because I don't have love. I don't have the patience. I don't, I do, I, it bothers me. I'm, maybe my temperament or my personality and things are bothering me. Also, our age, by the way. Man, that's a big one. Our age, sometimes we get older, we get a little crustier, a little more sensitive, a little stronger opinionated, a little more like self-righteous. We would call it wisdom or maybe, you know, I'm wiser. Well, maybe, you know, we better take another look at that. Guys, this is about, this is about your relationship with God. And God is, like, very patient. He is very wise. He is very loving. He is very kind. And this is, uh, this is I just use this to illustrate something. Okay, my flesh is in the prayer room. It's in the prayer room. Now, when Job had his trial... He had a lot to say. He was talking a lot. 
he talked a lot in the book of Job. And God wasn't talking. For 31 chapters, it's a long time. And the three friends of Job and Job, they're talking to the whole thing. The last guy, the fourth guy, the, the youngest of them, he starts talking in chapter 32. Chapter 32 to 37, he's talking, and he's anointed. He is anointed. And then God spoke in chapter 38, and Job stopped talking. And he said, I put my hand to my mouth. Listen, you can talk to God. That's what the Psalms are about. You can make your complaint to God. That's what the Psalms are saying. We can pray with the Psalms because they allow us to feel and be emotional and cry out and say, how long, oh God, how long? Guys, we don't hear much. Often in our troubles and in our trials, we're not hearing very much. Or, yeah, okay. So when God started speaking to Job, Job got real humble, and he started to hear. And when he, when he was hearing, it was, like, really good. So I, only, I say that to say prayer isn't me just doing a lot of talking. That's like the Psalms. Like what, but prayer is also waiting on God. It's also being quiet before God. It's also being careful to hear from God. And when the Lord says, go back to your brother, leave your gift at the altar, go back to your brother and get right with your brother, then we need to do that. And that's Matthew 5, 23 and 24. Let's turn. Well, James 4, I think we better finish this before we go there too. Matthew, verse 2. You lust and have not, you kill and desire to have. This reminds me of people running around a lot, going from one event to another, trying to also enter the entertainment and acquisitions and the conversations and the talking and the activity. And there's a lot of getting, a lot of getting in life, especially Americans were kind of continually active and getting and getting. And it says here in verse 2, but you cannot, you desire to have, but you cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you have not because you ask not. You are busy in the flesh, not getting the satisfaction versus prayer in fellowship and getting the satisfaction. You actually are getting it. Because that's one thing Jesus promised us, that we would be satisfied, that we would be filled with the Spirit and have love and joy and peace. We'd be satisfied. But I've, I've got to say to you and with you and, and think about it with you, 
that I have a tendency, like all of us, that in my flesh, I have things that I can't shut the door on. There's, there's some brother that offended me, or there's somebody I cannot forgive, or there's some bad habit that I always go back to, and I run after that thing, and I get it, and then I don't have it. I get it, but it's nothing. I get it, but it's not satisfying. That means I cannot obtain. I, I might get, get it, but I, I, I end up like empty at the end of the project or enterprise or relationship. I got married to the, the bat, you know, amazing girl, and I thought she would meet my need. Then I find out she doesn't really meet my need. And that, why? Why doesn't she meet my need? Because marriage isn't like that. It isn't that you marry so the other person meets your need. Marriage is more like this. This is the best, that you have a secret place and you're in fellowship with God that meets your need. Then the Lord gives you a relationship with a woman that becomes your wife. And you can go to bed at night saying, you know, you're not the one that meets my need. I have God that meets my need, and you're somebody that I love. And I love you because God loves me. And God loved me first. He did, I didn't love God first. He loved me first, brought me into the, into the fellowship. And on the basis of that relationship, now we go out and we have a ministry. But there's three things I have listed here that disturb us regarding this prayer subject. I, I don't know if you followed me in what I just said. I, I think you did. I think it's clear. But look at the scripture before we turn. Okay, I got my eye on the clock too here. So, okay, look at verse 3, chapter 4, James 4. You ask and receive not. Because you ask amiss, that you may consume it upon your lusts. Okay, what is that? I want a wife. Okay, I want a husband. I want a friend. I want to have a good church. I want a family. I want a good job. Of course, who doesn't? Who doesn't want all those things? Uh, so I go to God and I'm saying, this is what I want. But the Lord is saying to us this morning, that when you come before God, it's not about you and I and our flesh. It's not about what I want. Primarily, it's really, Lord says to us, not what I what do, you, what do you want? He's saying more like, do you know what your need is? And I say, no, Lord, I don't know what, what my need really is. And he said, your need is me. I'm the one you need. You might want a thousand things, but I'm talking about what you really need is me. Because I, I made you for me. I made you. Here, here's a good point. You ask somebody, what's your purpose in life? I, I did this the other day to some young, young people. What's your purpose? They say, I want to be happy. I, I want to have a family. I want to have a good job. I want to make a lot of money. Okay. And they say to me, what is your, why are you alive? What do you live for? I go, I live to the glory of God. 
It's like, and I, I don't want to be proud about it or sound, it sounds like, I, but I'm, I'm trying to say Revelation 4.11, we are made for the glory of God. That means, like, if you get money, that's fine. But that's not enough for you. You have to live for the glory of God. You have a wife, that's great, but that's not enough for you. You have to live to the glory of God. That's what you're made for. You know, Jesus is talking to us like real adults, not like children. Our culture talks to us like children, like, you know, you need to go to Las Vegas and have a party. I don't need that. I need God. And Jesus tells me that. And he tells me that if you have a secret place where you go in and you can shut the door and you're in the presence of Almighty God, your life is going to turn out really good. Guys, you're going to end up living to the glory of God. And look at what Jesus says about it. Oh, we'll go, we'll jump over here, even though going slow is good. But look at chapter 6, 6, Matthew 6, 6. But thou, when you pray, enter into your closet, and when you have shut the door, pray to the Father which is in secret, and your Father, here it is, your Father which sees in secret shall reward thee openly. Hold it. I want to hear about that. What do you mean? He will, he will do something openly. All right, this is what it, just think about it. We are in, in fellowship with God. I mean, you're really, you're dealing with your, your flesh as you recognize your flesh. You have to learn to recognize your flesh. We all have a fleshly nature, but you have to recognize it in the presence of God. And that's what happens in the Bible. When people are in the presence of God, they realize, they realize things about themselves. Right? We realize things about ourselves and recognize it. And we go, we, we know that this is my flesh. So we're in fellowship and then we ask and we are waiting on God and we're in fellowship with God and we're asking any answers. Now, openly, you're, you're out in public. Openly, you're out in public, right? And the Lord is rewarding you in public. He's rewarding you in public. It's in your heart. It's in your life. He's rewarding you in public. And people could say, not everybody recognizes it, just like when Christ came in the world. Not everybody recognized who he was. But there were people for sure, Luke 4.32, no man speaks like, he doesn't speak like the scribes and the Pharisees. No man has spoken like this. Where did he get that from? Tell us plainly, are you the Christ? Right? John 19. How about this one? Uh, tell us, where did you get this authority? Right? So, let's go to why I don't receive answers to prayer. And I'll turn just to one of them because of the time, but Mark 11. <clears throat> 24. 
Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. And when you stand praying, forgive. If you have ought against any, that your Father, also which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. Well, are you saved? Yes, I'm saved, but I'm not forgiven in this, this sense. I am forgiven of all my sin, past, present, future, because of salvation. But in my practical life, there's something against me because I will not forgive him. Then the Lord said, then I'll put you in a, in a, a psychological or spiritual prison, Matthew 18. And you'll not get out until you pay the uttermost farthing. You're going to have troubles in your life because I'm not, I'm not giving you uh, unless you forgive. I'm, I'm not, we don't have fellowship. You're not forgiving him. I forgave you. You're not forgiving him. So I, I'm cutting off the fellowship. You, it, it might last a long time, but you don't get, you, your life is not, it's not working so well. God's resisting you. James chapter 4 says, he resists the proud. Why don't I forgive him? Because I am proud. It bothers me. It's my flesh. I will not forgive. He, he doesn't deserve it. He doesn't. He, I don't like him. I hate him. I talked to a brother recently, and I said, you hate this person. I gave the name. He goes, no, I don't hate him. I just don't like him. And I don't want to see him. I don't ever want to see him. And it was like hatred came coming out of the brother's heart. And you will not be forgiven. You're going to have trouble. You're not going to be forgiven. You are saved. You are forgiven, therefore. But in your practice, you're like living like there's no power. I don't have any power. Can you imagine praying and the prayer doesn't go far farther than the ceiling? It returns into my bosom. The, the uh, Deuteronomy um, says that you're to the Jews that if they will not obey, their heaven will be like iron and the earth will be like brass. Now, in the Bible, the metals mean different things. Iron is like strength and brass is judgment because Brass is made by the melting of uh, tin and copper, I think. The brass is uh, um, heat, the heat. Your earth will be like a judgment furnace, and your heaven will be like iron, where prayers will not go through. Prayers will return to your bosom. But what about we're born-again Christians? yes. We are born again. We've been brought into the Trinity. We're in fellowship with God. But when I grieve the Holy Spirit, I lose the fellowship. And the Lord said, leave your gift at the altar. Go get right with your brother and then come back here. And come on in and go to the secret place. Come on in and shut the door and pray to me and ask. And you shall receive what I have for you. Isn't that good? 
So there's three things. Number one, I do not forgive, so now my prayers do not work. Number two, I regard iniquity in my heart. That's Psalm 66, verse 18. Let's put that up on the board, and we'll finish up here. Psalm 66, 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. I'm devising a plot to destroy my enemy, and the Lord will say, fellowship with me. And then you you put that away in your fellowship with God. You start to love your enemy. Pray for your enemy, because God is love. You start to forgive. You, you start to imagine, how could that person change? How could they change? Like, I, I think of uh, our president, Joe Biden, and I, I, they're, I don't, I'm not into the politics of, of that man. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about him as a person. Him and his, as a person. What is in my heart? I am the same. I am not here to judge. Yeah, gee, we could say, Jesus, could you judge the Roman Empire or judge the king so-and-so or something? And Jesus would say, I came into the world not to judge. I came into the world to save to lay down my life. I came to the world to love. They're going to take me and nail me to a cross. But on the cross, I'm going to say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. That kind of life we don't have. We don't have it. That's why the Bible says pray for your leaders. Because this world is more than flesh and blood. It's more than what the news is saying. It's more than what your ideology is. It's an opportunity to live in the heart and the mind of Christ in a dark world. And that is to forgive others and not have iniquity in my heart. But to have a faith and love and joy and peace and truth. Well, well, the truth part of it is clear. Like, I don't agree with our many decisions that are made in our culture and in our politics. There's, like, terrible things that are legal. Let me give you three of them. They are legal, but they are not ethical, and they are not wise. One of them is marijuana is legal. Young person says, I can, I can smoke marijuana. It's legal. Yeah, but it's not wise. You can get cancer from that. It'll mess up your head. It'll cost you money. Probably get in trouble for it. You'll lose strength. You'll be unproductive. You become a pothead. You know what that is. It's legal, but not wise. How about uh, alcohol? Another one. It's legal, but it's not wise. And what about abortion? It is legal, but it is not wise. Like, where are you living? Where do you, where do we get this? Mind, We get it from fellowship with God. And his mind is not the mind of the world. We have convictions. We are learning it. Okay, the last one is, I said it, is Matthew 5, 23 and 24. If your brother has something against you, leave your gift at the altar and go get right with your brother. Please go get right with your brother. Do it today. 
Go say to your brother, forgive me. I have been, just forgive me. I love you. Thank you. May God bless us. Let's, let's live in the secret place. Let's love each other and care about each other. You might say, well, I haven't done anything particularly wrong. Yeah, but your heart is cold. I haven't done anything particularly. Yeah, but do you have a, a prayer life which moves your heart and you're waiting upon God? And you, you have love in your heart. Yes. We're, we're, I'm not saying this to condemn any of us. I'm just saying to inspire us and encourage us because Jesus said it. Let me finish. I got to do this. Proverbs. I'm always saying that. But, uh, okay. Here we go. Finishing up here. This is shocking, actually. Proverbs 1, 26 through 28. 25. You are not listening to me, he says. You said it not, all my counsel, verse 25, Proverbs 1, and would none of my reproof, you wouldn't be corrected by me. I will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear comes. When your fear comes as desolation, your destruction comes as a whirlwind. When your distress and anguish comes upon you, then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me early, but they will not find me. For that they hated knowledge and didn't choose the fear of the Lord, did not choose the fear of the Lord. Wow. What? I can party all day long, do all my thing, and do whatever I want to, and then, I, then when I'm really in trouble, I'll call on God. Yeah, but don't be sure, too sure about that. Yeah, you're not, don't, don't think that you're in control of this whole thing. You might not even live tonight, and it's too late. Like, you can say, yeah, I, 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 all that religious stuff or whatever, it's like, you know, that's, that's fine. I'm not, I, I'm living my life, and then sometime when I really need, I'll call on God. God is saying, um, he said it. I will not hear when your calamity comes. I'm not there. And I was thinking in the scripture, where is an example of that? And the two thieves on the crosses, there are three crosses. Jesus is in the middle. And the one thief said, uh, Lord, if you are the Lord, if you are the Christ, then save yourself and us. Save yourself and us too. Remember? And uh, Jesus did not uh, yeah, uh, answer him. And he, he died without Christ. And, and we could say, God could say, why, why would I save you? Why would I, why would I save you? Just so that you can continue to be a thief? I, I, I'll come down from the cross and bring you down from the cross so then you go along your merry way and just be a thief again. Yeah, that's not why I came. Just so that I could be a tool so that you can go and live like hell all the time. Go okay, live like hell every day. Go ahead. But when you call, I will not hear. I will not answer you. Wow. The other thief was like this. Like he, these are my words because I don't remember the text literally. But it's like, be quiet. We have done what we have done and we deserve this. He deserves none of it. 
Then he says to Jesus, Lord, remember me. He didn't say save me. He said, just remember me when you come into your kingdom. Right? And the Lord said, today you will be with me in prayer. Whose prayer answered? Whose prayer was answered? The man that just wants to go on and live his own life, his own way. And when he's in trouble, he'll cry out. And the Lord said, I will not hear you. Wow. But listen, he hears the cry of the penitent, of the person that is serious about it. And coming to God, not on my terms, like save me so I can go my way. But save me so I can enter into a secret place and get this straightened out. Cause I need help. I need more than just, I need more than just coming down from the cross. I need a whole new life. I need a new heart, new spirit, new mind. I need to learn what prayer is. I got to learn to forgive. I got to learn to stop judging people. I got to learn to stop being selfish. I got to learn how to walk with you. That's what I need. And when we have that, prayers are answered all over the place. I'm convinced of it. I really believe that. He rewards us openly with answers. Amen. Would you pray with me? Lord, in that part of the message where we said, hey, if you got to deal with something today, do it. Just go and say, forgive me, I'm sorry, or hey, love them, tell them I love you, and is there anything I've done, and I, I, I'm, I, I'm walking before the Lord with, with joy and life and love in my heart. And anyone here has not yet started your spiritual life, please do it today. Say to Jesus, Jesus Christ, my Savior. Thank you for saving me and teach me how to live this new way in Jesus' name. Say, say that prayer to him. Anyone saying the prayer now? Just raise your hand. Anyone at all in the room? Just so that we can give you a booklet. and Thank you. God bless you. Beautiful. Anybody else? Raise your hand. This is your spiritual birthday. This is your day. This is your day. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. God bless you.